Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Friday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, and Rock of Talk TV. Hello, Los Alamos. Hello, Santa Fe. And uh, we are here for you all the time on Kiva 24-7, and our Apple TV just launched, which is super awesome. So we're absolutely everywhere at this point. Uh, one year away from the start of this pandemic, which is going to begin next week. Next Friday when we do our show, it's going to be kind of interesting because it will have been exactly 365 days we've been enduring all of this. We have D-Dowd Muscauer. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm well, and I'd like to extend a uh, special uh, greetings to my fellow New Mexicans, native and non-native. Uh, our state, uh, as of uh, and information that has yet to be reported by anyone, I keep looking for it, the feds have revised our numbers on unemployment in New Mexico. They posted it uh, at Wednesday afternoon, so less than 48 hours, about 48 hours ago. We are now, ladies and gentlemen, not the sixth or seventh worst unemployment rate state in the country. We are the fourth. Uh, the numbers were revised upward for New Mexico, and we have 8.6% unemployment. The only states worse than that are New York at 8.7, California at 9.3, and Hawaii at 10.3. And all three governors of each one of those states should be impeached along with ours. You can visit impeachmlg.com. That's impeachmlg.com. A scorcher of a show yesterday heard so much feedback when I uh, implied and left it open-ended that the governor, perhaps she paid off James Hallinan to make him go away. Everything in the news media stopped December 27th of 2019. Everything, everywhere. This is a man who had the courage to move forward. As you heard from the governor this week, she was all about making sure that these people came forward because they had the incredible courage to come forward. These are victims of sexual abuse. James Hallinan seems to have been one of those people, but it remains to be seen. Uh, this is the worst uh, two weeks in the governor's, uh, governor's, uh, huh, I don't know, rulership, governess, uh, whatever you want to refer to it. I don't even know what you, you know, her, her time at this point, I think, could potentially be on the brink. Uh, they are... Various people who are out there that I think probably even within her party who smell blood in the water. Brian Colon has decided to go ahead and audit. Notice that it was like a page six inside the fold uh, story. It wasn't something that they put on the front page. Yep. If the governor is being examined by the state auditor, that is front page news, ladies and gentlemen. That's not something that should be put on the back burner. But again, you have the media who's all about protecting the governor, the Democrats, the status quo. And the reason we're in this situation where things suck in New Mexico, being the fourth, you said fourth, highest unemployment as the numbers have now been revised, only New York, California, and Hawaii are worse. Hawaii, you don't even need to work. I don't even know what the labor participation rate is there. It's probably like 20%. It's like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't you know, work if I would. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just not something that they do. Uh, hey, bro, go get some shave ice. So we look at this. And we say to ourselves, why do we continue to endure this tyrannical governor? You don't have to. If she were to get reelected, I don't even know at this point she is, that she is going to run. But if she were to get reelected and you went to impeach MLG and you sent in your petition to impeach her, your petition will continue to stay alive even past her getting reelected. 
That's important for all of you to know. I know so many of you have questioned, you've wanted to know, hey, what's happening with the impeach MLG? That's what's happening. What's happening is we're going to continue to just pick away at this. Yes, hardly anybody pays attention to New Mexico in general. We love our state. We love being here. But I'll tell you, by and large, when we look at, uh, you know, chipping away, showing up every single day, we've been doing it here in the Kiva. Dowd's been with me since uh, last June. I'm proud to have him here on board. He drafts up all the information that you see there at the Rock of Talk Chat. Please support him uh, as uh, he is the purveyor of all things Rock of Talk Chat, and that's uh, his domain. And I, I really encourage you to get that information out. I'm proud of the products that we've turned out. I'm proud of Impeach MLG. I'm proud of Rudy Grande's news and, and traffic. But let's move forward. Let's jump forward. It's time to open up New Mexico. Period. Texas opened up this week. Mississippi opened up this week. In fact, Texas will open up on Wednesday. There should be no debate upon where we're at at this point in terms of dealing with the coronavirus. We cannot continue to not waste this crisis forever as the Democrats are doing. That's what they want. They want to continue with the shutdown. They want people to continue to cover their faces. I will continue to attack the Democrat establishment here in this state as they need to be attacked. Because their rulership over the poor people here in the state of New Mexico who have to succumb to their, her tyranny and their tyranny is way too much. We should have come out of this in a completely different way. We should have never have shut down. We should have taken advantage of the situation like South Dakota did. South Dakota, I think, has roughly 700, 710,000. They're probably going to go over a million, and there's a lot of people probably from New Mexico and other blue states who are going to say, yeah, here's things are great in South Dakota. Let's move there. The booms are all going to the red states. Lowest unemployment rate in the country, South Dakota, tied with Utah. Let's move ourselves into a red state territory here, and I want you to help me do that. I'm running for Congress. I present the best chance to take over this state and turn this state red going forward. Can you imagine if we have two congressional seats, CD1 and CD2? Uh, Joe Monahan was so incredibly upset last night when I picked up the phone to phone him and said, uh, look, we've got another candidate who dropped out. I'm coming for you, Democrats. I want you to know. And, and, and what's wrong with the uh, mealy Mouth Republicans who can't seem to just stop hating Eddie Aragon? Don't you realize, like, this lethal force that we could bring upon them? You know, do you have Charlie Cook going to uh, Legacy Church? You've got a number of people who are advocating to flip this state around. They are standing with Trump. They are standing with this country. And they are pushing back at every turn. We had unbelievable legislation being proposed in H.R. 1, ensuring that there's no photo ID being presented. Why is that? When I was in the Rose Garden in 1992 in front of Boys Nation, and I asked the president at the time, why don't we pass the motor voter bill? Why don't we get ID checked? When you register your car, you should be registered to vote. And I thought that was a good thing. I was like, well, is it not because you have the support of the young and the poor? Why are we trying to keep these people from getting registered? Now the Democrats are like, this is such a great idea. Let's just get any warm-blooded human being, reptiles, amphibians, you know, mammals, whoever who wants to register... So we can dominate this country forever. And how did that get heard? Well, it was because of Kamala Harris's Kamala Harris's uh, vote on the Senate. She has the deciding tie factor. The future of this country hangs in the balance. And New Mexico has a chance to turn it all around 
if you can believe it for the rest of the country. I have to tell you, I'm amazed at what I'm seeing from some of you out there. I think the conservative cause is continuing to grow. I think we will see a changing of the tide here, and it's going to begin with CD1. Oh, and if you say, well, we don't want Eddie to be at the front of the line. Well, who's been leading the charge for 10 years? Who's been here in Albuquerque leading the charge on all fronts, taking all comers, doing all things and making things happen? That's right, here, the Kiva, where we have been doing it day after day, week after week, year after year for the last nine years. Now, where'd you hear that? Where'd you hear that? Yeah, we go after the governor. We go after people who are in power. Because we haven't had the power. They're the ones who are responsible. They're the ones who are responsible for this mess that they have created here. You take the very best economy that New Mexico has ever seen, a 4.9% unemployment rate, right in December of 2019, and today we are dead or close to dead last in terms of unemployment. We've got our national debt skyrocketing. We've got our economy in complete and total disarray. We can turn this around, and we're going to turn it around. And you're going to help, and you're going to make it happen. You think there's a better place to go than New Mexico? Well, yeah, in some ways, yes, today. But will there be a better place in 2022, 2024, 2030, 2040? I can't think of a better place to be. And we're going to repeal the Energy Transition Act. And we're going to get rid of this late-term abortion that we have here in the state of Mexico. We're going to do all these things from one end to the other because these things are unnecessary. And they hang over like a big, giant cloud over this economy in this state. We had an unbelievable interview yesterday with uh, Anna, which we featured. Uh, what was her last name? Excuse, I'm missing it for a second. Uh, it's in Rock oh, of oh, Garner, I believe. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable interview with Anna Garner. She's working to help free Isaac... Lagareta from the Dona Ana County mandate that he get the jab, the shot. Mandating these types of things on our population is tyranny, and they have been okay with this all along. We are wrought with fraud. We are wrought with tyrannical rulership coming from our governor and these Democrats. But can you imagine being threatened with your job? We have a hundred and what fifty thousand people who are employed by the federal government, state government, local government here in the state. I mean, it's crazy. Out of the uh, eight hundred and fifty thousand, we only have seven hundred thousand people working in the private sector. Not a good stat, by the way, uh, for a population of nearly two point one million. But she's fighting back, and you must join with her. Push back wherever you can. I've got people who are coming to me now and said, "Well, this mask mandate." Even though I have a, uh, a, a medical condition which should preclude me from wearing this, based upon the governor's edict, I cannot have some sort of medical condition that would keep me from wearing it. I have to wear it, and I'm required to wear it. You heard yesterday from a business owner in Edgewood, and I felt so bad for her. There's nothing that could be done. She wasn't wearing a mask, and she had a medical condition. And who shows up on her doorstep the very next day? Two ladies from the governor's office to issue her a cease and desist order. We've been enduring this. You can go to the, 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 the gun shop and the pawn shop out in Grants, New Mexico. You can look at the mayor of Grants, New Mexico. You can look at all these people. Uh, you can go to Caleb the pastor in southern New Mexico 
We can talk about, um, I believe, Wex, who opened up and tried to keep things going. Like, how much further can we possibly go and say, you know what, this is justified, given the reason of the science from Dr. Scrace and the epidemiologist. Let's just take a look of the litany of people who have lost their jobs under Michelle Lujan Grisham since she has come to rule this state. First, there's the now-deceased PED chair, Mrs. Trujillo, who lost her life in a hit-and-run, ran her over in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Then you had, uh, I believe, Olivia Padilla, who is the budget secretary, if I'm not mistaken. She was gone. Then you had the health uh, human services secretary. She was gone. Then you had the chief epidemiologist. He was gone. Then you had the Office of African American Affairs chair. He was gone. This tyranny knows no bounds within the administration or throughout the state of New Mexico. And I need you to help me stand against this and flip this state around because we can do it. There is no question in my mind whatsoever. I feel that people have now become empowered, motivated. They're looking into an entirely new direction and they want to jump on board with what we've been doing. Yeah, not not for the last 10 months, for the last 10 years right here in the Kiva. We're not Johnny-come-latelys. We didn't just decide to do this. We've been fighting for the future of New Mexico for far too long and this is our opportunity. Michelle Lujan Grisham is on her heels as are the rest of the Democrats. And we're going to talk about the Virgin, uh, Virgin Galactic in our next segment to uh, sort of uh, wrap our number one. And I will tell you, We've smelled that blood for a long time. That corruption, it stinks to high heaven. How did Jeffrey Epstein get here? Why was he here in the first place? We've talked about the third largest sovereign wealth fund in the entire country. We have $46 billion, We have $65 billion in unfunded pension liabilities. If you work for the state of New Mexico or you work for the city of Albuquerque, you will not finish your pension because the state of New Mexico can't pay it and they're not bringing any new revenue in. But they're sure as hell paying off all the big tech companies, paying off Facebook, paying off Hollywood, paying off Amazon, whatever they can possibly do to say that, hey, you know what, look at all this economic growth. And who's doing the cheerleading during this entire time? You've got Channel 4, 7, 13, and the Albuquerque Journal. Westside Windfall, the Amazon is coming. Yeah, how many people is that warehouse with its drones going to put out of business. Has anybody thought about that? Where's all my lefties out there who thought about uh, no big business, no big business, yet they're all about Facebook. They're all about big tech. They're all about Apple. They're all about big tech. They can't get away from it now because it's all woke culture and woke economic reality for them now going forward. They don't have to work. They're going to have a check, and they don't even have to sign up for welfare. It's going to be universal basic income directly in your inbox day in, day out. Oh, and by the way, if my employer tries to make me work too hard, I now have universal sick leave. I can go and come as I please. Oh, and by the way, I also have mandatory minimum wage at $15. All of these ridiculous policies, if you don't help me defeat them in this CD1 race, we don't have a state going forward. At that point, I'll say, you know what, you probably should pick up and move. You probably should leave New Mexico behind. But I'm not going to leave New Mexico behind. I know that you have, or people will, because the economic reality is you can't find an economic reality and basis for yourself. You can't find a job. You can't find opportunity. 
without it being subsidized, or without you being in the right government cliques, do you know the right people? Do you have the right politics? Do you have Where's your Bernie sticker? Where's your uh, tribute to socialism? There's 800,000 people on Medicaid here in the state of New Mexico. I don't know if you need a bigger number to show you how poor that we are. We almost have more people on Medicaid, check this, than we do in the number of people who are in the employment workforce in the state of New Mexico. I don't know that that's a reality anywhere else in this, in this entire country. You could go state by state, and I bet you I'm 100% right on this. There's no other state where there's almost as many people on Medicaid as there are as many, as many people employed. In my opinion, that's the end of New Mexico at that point once that crosses over. And just in case you thought the CD1 race isn't big enough and the chance to change New Mexico is right here on the horizon, how about the future for the city of Albuquerque? On March 14th, which I believe is going to be next Saturday, is that correct? Is that Saturday or Sunday? Uh, Sunday. Oh, Tim Keller's coming out on a Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. The city is doing so well, he's going to have a press conference on po possibly the sleepiest time on any media. 4 p.m. on a Sunday. Who the hell's going to gather and sit around and watch that crap? As he has driven the city into the ground. The homicide rate... Well, thank God we were shut down because we set a record last year. Who knows what it would have happened if we had been open? This is what happens when you have open borders, when you have a lax culture on law enforcement, when there is no law enforcement, when we've accelerated things by using the Arnold tool, a risk assessment, threat assessment tool that will ana uh, analyze and take a look at every single criminal out there and say, yeah, he's not going to run. We don't need to put him in jail. Let's leave him out on the streets. And now they want to do the very same thing for people who commit crimes against children. Yet we still have Victoria Martins hanging over us like this large black cloud. Let me say one other thing. Just quickly, Eddie, uh, 903,000 people on Medicaid approximately in New Mexico. 903? 877,000 people employed in New Mexico. So you, that, that, you got it. it. You there got is it. not one other state in the I'll, entire I'll do the, I'll country. I'll do all 50 this weekend. I will, <laughs> I will tell you, there is not one other state where there is more people on Medicaid than there is the number of people employed. That's the death nail in the coffin, folks. That is, uh, welcome to the socialist state of New Mexico. You're going to help me turn this around. I didn't think it was 903. I thought we were 750, 800,000. My gosh. I, I, should I just give up right here, right now? <laughs> of course, we're not going to give up. No. We never give up. We're going to stick with this all the way through. In the CD1 race, uh, Peggy Mueller Aragon uh, withdrew from the race. Uh, we've been put some concerted effort to make sure that we're spending our time wisely uh, in this race. Uh, I uh, tip my hat to her in terms of the uh, endless number of hours and commitment that she has made to the educational pursuits and fighting an uphill battle against six other board members in the Albuquerque Public School Board. It's yeoman's work to be sure, and she is consistently in the APS, despite Ellen Bernstein, the union, and the other uh, people who are sort of riding the APS gravy train. She has been working as hard as she possibly can to flip things around. And that commitment is too much, especially with APS. So she has decided to go ahead and withdraw from the race. We can carry the torch from here, folks. 
We have been carrying the torch, and we will continue to carry the torch day in, day out. And now doing it up in Los Alamos, the highest income demographic in the entire country. ARSN 1490, so 107.1 Los Alamos and uh, 1490 in Santa Fe. So take a listen when you're traveling around. We're covering everything from Taos to Socorro up and down the highway, and that's 1.4 million people of coverage getting the word out. You can call us the uh, countercultural warriors uh, here in the state of New Mexico. We encourage people to go to our Roku TV, to our Amazon Fire TV, to our Apple TV. You can podcast all of our shows, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple. Download our app, share them with people. And we have a brand new app uh, just out this week for the rockoftalk.tv. You type in rockoftalk.tv from your phone, you pull up all of our shows. Here's the best part about this whole thing. All of our shows are annotated. Minute by minute, we put out the information, we put out the links. You just subscribe to rockoftalk.chat. We reach roughly 9,500 people a day. We want you to go ahead and participate in that, and yet let that be your daily newspaper. You don't need to subscribe to the journal. You certainly don't need to go ahead and watch 4, 7, and 13. We've got all the news that you need each and every day right here. We've had our finger on the pulse since day one. We're fighting back for the good people of the state of New Mexico, and we are, we are going to continue to do so. Now, Rudy is going through a little bit of a time because I know, and he has that beautiful uh, black Rock of Talk t-shirt. We'll tell you how to get that on Monday. Oh, are you going to model for us, Rudy? <laughs> he loves this. He loves I really this. do, and I like the way the, the sleeves work. So, I mean, you can wear this if you're going to the office, and they, they won't get mad. Just wear it over your... And look, I mean, you can call her out. It's great. Best way to support the station, support the advertisers who are on the radio station. If you hear their ads, support those people because they support us. That's very important. And, of course, subscribe to rockoftalk.chat. We have Greg Zanetti, uh, hour number two. It's going to be Alex Jones, uh, hour three. Uh, D. Dowd Muscow, when we return, we're going to hit on Virgin Galactic. We're a poor state. We've dedicated $250 million to something called Virgin Galactic. I believe I said that Virgin Galactic <laughs> would be bankrupt by... He's very pleased with himself, ladies and gentlemen. The end of February. Yeah, February. I might be a week late on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Might be a week late on this. Uh, some absolutely unbelievable news coming out today as uh, Pump and Dump Chalop, uh, uh, Chamath Palapatia made a big move, and I think it uh, spells the... Oh, wait, what did the Looney Tunes used to write at the end of the... Nah, 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 nah. Oh, it's all folks. That's what it's going to be. And uh, we're not going to let them cover that up because uh, I sure hope uh, Brian Cologne, between his auditing of the governor and her uh, specialty purchases at the food store, Jose Cuervo, Hornitos, and all that, hopefully he's doing a good job of auditing what's happened down there and the non-issuance of the bonds uh, in Sierra and Donana County. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. The deep dark hole here in the state of New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we need to help uh, help us uncover it uh, moving forward, and we appreciate you joining us uh, here in the Kiva. Back to uh, talk about uh, Virgin Galactic. We return AMC, KVA, ABQ.FM, RocketTalk.com, and KRSN 1490, 107.1, Los Alamos, and Santa Fe. Thank you so much for The market is flooded with health supplements that claim benefits in memory, but virtually none offer credible evidence with their products working until now. 
Memory Revitalizer, 800-606-0192. This potent natural formula was invented by a neuroscientist and physician. Memory Revitalizer slows aging, improves memory, increases energy, gives robust stamina. It has been used in an Alzheimer's clinic for 18 years. It is safe. It does not interact with other prescription drugs. Two large blinded studies confirm the benefits in memory capacity. Customers say it's wonderful. It works. It's essential. Buy it from Best Buy Pharma. Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, and other independent pharmacies. Or purchase it from Moses Country Store and other independent health stores. Or go to MemoryRevitalizer.com. MemoryRevitalizer.com or 800-606-0192. MemoryRevitalizer.com or 800-606-0192. Hey, it's Eddie Aragon. The staff at ABQ Guns stands for your Second Amendment rights, but they believe other freedoms are under attack by the governor's orders. Small businesses are bearing the weight of those health orders, and ABQ Guns believes she owns our state's economic collapse. ABQ Guns urges you to shop local for firearms, ammo, and accessories. Stop by the shop in Riverside Plaza, on Coors, north of Montano, or visit shop.abqguns.com. ABQ Guns, defenders of your freedom. Amazing Grace Personal Care Services is companion care at a reasonable rate, including mobile assistance, meal preparation, household services, cognitive assistance, and support services, and more. 505-796-4900. That's 505-796-4900. Do you believe the U.S. can run trillion-dollar deficits forever without consequence? Do you believe our politicians have any incentive to rein in spending? Do you believe the stock and bond markets are on solid ground? If you don't, and if you believe something's wrong, but you also believe there will be an opportunity as things change, then call Greg Zanetti at Zanetti Financial. He's been helping people with their investments since 1986. He sees the investment world through a clear lens. He gets it. No annuities, no insurance, no investor profiles. The goal is to make you money. Call Greg today at 250-3754 or visit him at ZanettiFinancial.com. Hi, I'm Casey Gazzardi. And I'm Joe Gazzardi. At Joe's Pasta House, we have authentic world favorites, classic Italian dishes, and unique New World offerings, including natural hand-cut steaks, wild-caught fish, and local veal. Our focus is on quality ingredients, great atmosphere, and personal service. Come to Joe's Pasta House for a true Italian dining experience. Located at 3201 Southern Boulevard in Rio Rancho, just a quarter mile east of Country Club Drive. You trusted your home or business security to the local company with an armed response. They sold out, and now you got selected. Now your security is on the brink of being bought out by a national corporate giant. I'm Aaron Jones, owner of International Protective Service, IPS. IPS isn't for sale. I'm invested here and care about your home and business security like it's my own. Let the highly trained armed guards or 24-hour patrols of IPS protect what's yours. Call 897-2420 or go to IPSglobal.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Casals at the Vision Store. So many of you are worried about changes in your vision. At the Vision Store, we are available for routine, urgent, and emergent eye care, red eyes, broken glasses, and contact lenses. We carry a wide array of frame styles in our showroom to choose from, including sunglasses and anti-reflective lenses. Come see us Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 to 6, and Wednesday from 8 to 1. Come see what you haven't seen in a while at the Vision Store in Bernalillo. Call for an appointment today at 771-EYES. That's 771 771- Hey, Rock of Talk listeners, do you know what's on the Rock of Talk app? The Rock of Talk TV, Rock of Talk podcasts, Rock of Talk news, weather, alarm, and more. Download it now at rockoftalk.com.
All right, it is time we put things together, starting with the weather looking really great for the weekend. Crystal clear skies up on the hilltop at Los Alamos. Hi, everybody. Good to have you with us now. 53 degrees where you're at. And at Hilltop Plaza in Rio Rancho, 67. And it is 63 here at the Rock of Talk. All right, what do we got going? The I-25 northbound just about, that's right, past uh, Comanche. The accident, everything lined up on the right shoulder. That's the only good news. The southbound path, that's still really taking a hit all the way back from Jefferson to Montgomery. If you're trying to get across the river bridge, right now the hardest one is going to be Montano. As you make your way westbound from the river all the way to Montano, it's going to be tough. And on uh, Coors Boulevard itself, it looks like it's going to be a rough ride, Lauria to Montano as well. All right, well, this traffic report is brought to you by Salon Deluxe in Country Club Plaza in Rio Rancho. And this, quite frankly, is the cleanest salon and spa in all of Rio Rancho. Kid you not. You can see everything that George and Janice have done to make sure this is a safe, healthy place for you to go. Great stuff, and you can see it all by going to salondeluxe.com. By the way, when you go to Salon Deluxe itself, make sure and ask George for Canyon Water. All right, with that, we're up to date now. Let's dive back into the Rock of Talk. Albuquerque's macro-aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. All right, 439 here in the, or 440 here in the Kivoni, M1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, KRSN, 1490, 107.1, Los Alamos and Santa Fe. We got T-Dot Musk, uh, and let's talk a little bit about uh, Virgin Galactic. Uh, let me, let me, let me give you the cliff notes very quickly, and then... Let's delve deeply into all of this because it's so incredibly important from a number of different uh, aspects. And most of it has to do with welfare, corporate welfare here in the state of Mexico. What are we going to do to buy ourselves a business? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about Hunter Biden. I'm going to talk about Dan Burrell and Bill Richardson, all that on, on another date. Uh, I'd love to get into to some of the new information that's that's coming in. But this is coming out of CNBC earlier today. $213 million personal stake in Virgin Galactic, the chairman. Virgin Galactic dropping 10% doubt. <laughs> chairman Chamath Palapatia dumps his $213 million personal stake. If you add that to his $100 million that he dumped back in December, that's nearly a half a billion dollars since his has started. It's using something... Uh, called uh, financial dealings, if you will. It says, I mean, look at these hucksters. Virgin Galactic leaders in front of the New York Stock Exchange, Whiteside's founder, Branson, and Chairman Shamath Palapatia. This is the swind one of the swindles of the century already uh, here in this early in this century. Uh, maybe Bernie Madoff has nothing on this. This was never meant to go into outer space. Now. Take it away. Yeah, uh, our friend Shamath, uh, of course, he is a venture capitalist, a guy who came out of Sri Lanka, I believe it was. Yes. Um, you know, uh, hard scrabble beginnings. You know, you, you, if you look just at the resume, you'd say this is a really honorable guy. I mean, he, came, he immigrated to the country and made something of himself. Unfortunately, the journalists who profile, you know, big figures in Silicon Valley have found out this guy's kind of a jerk, frankly. Uh, he hooks up with Richard Branson in 2019. Virgin Galactic, that space tourism company that we're partner business partners with, to the tune of over two hundred twenty million dollars via Spaceport America, they go public with this. Uh, I buy my share, of course, at six six dollars sixteen dollars and fifty cents. I am a shareholder. Uh, anyone in the uh, the Kiva Media Empire, raise your hand if you are a shareholder in Virgin Galactic. Oh, it's just me. 
You guys didn't believe, did you? Well, I still believe. Uh, I bought it sixteen fifty. Uh, we we covered, of course, earlier this week. We, of course, at www.rockoftalk.chat, we looked at the what's happening with the stock all through the Rona. It just kept pumping, pumping up and up and up, and Wall Street was going out of its mind, saying, you know, this is such a wonderful stock. We're going to be flying tourists out of uh, New Mexico after a almost fifteen year wait. Um, of course, uh, Branson himself gets a big chunk of shares when he goes public. Chamath gets a big chunk of shares. They unload uh, Branson in order to save the rest of his business empire, sells off about $500 million worth of stock, loses the controlling shares of Virgin Galactic as a public company uh, back in May. Chamath in December decides to dump, uh, it was almost $100 million he made from his shares. Uh, since day one, Chamath, this heavy-duty Silicon Valley financier, former Facebook guy, he said, I believe so much in the Virgin Galactic mission. Well, we started to question that a little in December when he dumped millions of shares and made a, you know engrossed $100 million. Turns out he dumped another series of shares. Uh, he dumped another, I guess, 3.8 uh, million shares. Uh, he has now sold close to 10 million shares in Virgin Galactic, the company he says he's such a big believer in. Now... A lot of people are reporting that incorrectly that he is out of Virgin Galactic altogether. He still no, he still owns a fair amount of shares through this partnership with this Ian Osborne guy from the UK. And Eddie, I'm going to be doing some research on this. Oh, he yes. is quite an interesting figure. Social capital. I've been looking at him in the last 24 hours. He doesn't appear on any SEC Securities and Exchange Commission filings. Uh, he doesn't appear in the annual report. But he and Chamath together still have a pretty sizable chunk of the Virgin Galactic stock. So, Chamath has bailed out twice, uh, netting himself, you know, or grossing at least, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on this. The stock price, when you have your board chairman and you have the guy who's a Wheeler dealer, big name, Facebook association, when he bails out in a big way, what do you, how do you think the street responds to that? The street says, this is a problem. Uh, my stock, <clears throat> my $16.50 that I invested, I'm still up about $10.79, but let me tell you, my stock was about $60, and it closed today on the New York Stock Exchange at uh, $27.29. $27. Folks, uh, it's harder and harder to not see this as sort of a pump-and-dump scheme, or at least if it wasn't designed that way directly, certainly the powerful men who have controlled this public entity are bailing on this and enriching themselves for their own purposes. Now, Mr. Chamath Palapatia said, oh, no, no, I'm just, I just want more liquidity because I'm about to make a major investment in an oh, anti-global warming enterprise. The <laughs> yeah, it's always I mean, the environment. As long as you do that, that's the virtue signaling so you don't it look at us. Yes. So. Uh, the, the exact words were, I, I'm planning to redirect this fu- the money I'm raising from this sale into, quote, a large investment I'm making toward fighting climate change. Here's the big thing, and here's the takeaway that you have to think about uh, in, in all of this. Who is Chamath Palapatia's business partners? Why was he brought in to do this? What? Uh, how did he create so much value to pull Virgin Airlines out of bankruptcy? And why is Richard Branson not suffering the consequences of no longer being the major shareholder? And why aren't the New Mexico taxpayers and the New Mexico media holding his feet to the fire? It was exactly one week ago today that they had the front page Albuquerque Journal News about how they were revamping things. And let me tell you this. Revamping a failed ship over and over and over and over again? That ship has sailed. In fact, it will never sail into space. They've got to go probably break everything from, you know, go back to square one and try to get back into space. I doubt that there are any deposits. And I would say one. I doubt there is one deposit for anybody putting down 250 
$1,000 cash to go and trust Virgin Galactic to go into outer space. It is a bankrupt company. It's a shell company. It will never become anything. You need to hold the people who are supporting and enabling this level of corruption here in this state. I don't care if the Republican, Rebecca Dow, or Democrat, Dan Hockman v. Hill, mm -hmm. we deserve answers for what's been done here. No question about it. 550-5500. That's 550-5500. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to deal with more of that uh, on Monday, too, so we got to get into that. The, the, um, the saga never ends when it comes to Virgin Galactic, no. ladies and gentlemen. More, more to come, as always. A uh, quick synopsis of your roundhouse, and it is free until midnight tonight. Roundhouse to an entrepreneur's. Drop dead. They don't like small businesses here in the state of New Mexico, Doubt. Yeah, this is paying me to write this last night, ladies and gentlemen. But we have made it through committee, a bill, <laughs> HB 291. It's going to restore higher levels. Now, this is what the New Mexico left has wanted ever since Bill Richardson, our governor 15 years ago. Believe it or not, he actually cut our personal income tax rates. Bill Richardson, yes, Democrat. That was a different Democratic Party all those years ago. Uh, two new rates uh, kicking up to 6.2% ah, and 6.5%. There we go. And, the uh, businesses so I, that have been shut down, let's jack the rates on that. Absolutely. And, of course, this is something that investors and entrepreneurs and innovators kind of look at. You know, In our neighborhood, we actually have some pretty good tax policy. Colorado, flat rate, 4.55%. Utah, 4.9%, 95%. Uh, Oklahoma, 5% flat. Texas, no personal income tax at all. Uh, Arizona has a slightly more progressive... I hate to use that word, uh, system than ours, but Eddie, the, what, what, what I've been following for the last few weeks, there's a lot of states that have their legislative sessions underway. The trend, and, and, and it's across the country, Georgia, Montana, Nebraska, West Virginia, Mississippi, is toward cutting taxes. You've got two states, West Virginia and Mississippi, where the governor and even one chamber is four square behind eliminating their income tax, something that's really never been done in, in American history where a state has eliminated its income tax. Nebraska's looking at a major tax overhaul. Uh, Montana and Georgia are looking at cutting their rates to make themselves more competitive. We have uh, a bill that is going to make us less competitive. <laughs> and not only that, ladies and gentlemen, it's even worse than that. There are other bills before the legislature right now to raise the rates even higher, including one from my Senator Bill O'Neill, uh, SB 56. He wants to get that top rate back up to 8.2% the way it was uh, when, when, when Big Bill started cutting the rates. We also have a bill from Bill Tallman, Lifetime Public Sector Hack, SB 89. He is in the Senate. It raises taxes on all kinds of people, including, get this, if you're a single filer in New Mexico and you make that vast sum of $30,000, Senator Bill Tallman, Democrat, wants to raise your taxes. It's looking more and more like we are going to have higher personal income tax rates coming out of this session, something that is enormously disturbing, and it's just going to hurt us all the more as we try to scrape and scramble and scratch our way out of this severe recession. Dowd, great job. Rudy, great job. All right, we'll be back uh, after the top of the hour of Fox News. We'll have uh, General Zanetti uh, here in the studio, and I uh, can't wait to jump in with him on uh, what he has to talk about, especially on uh, what's been happening in the financial markets. The pump and dump scheme is out in the open. Uh, the major shareholders of major corporations are pulling out. They're getting windfalls, and they're saying they're, reinvest, they're reinvesting it in the environment uh, going forward. 449, thanks for listening. Cellophane flowers never happened for me. Sleeping the day off, watching the night fall, covering nowhere.
Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon. The Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, and now AM 1490 KRSN Los Alamos and 107.1 Los Alamos in Santa Fe. Actually, 1490 Santa Fe. So take a listen to us right there with one of my favorite guys. His name, Mr. Greg Zanetti. We look forward to speaking with him at least once a week, generally on a Friday, and glad to have him here on board as he's a financial advisor, and we're going to get into the thick of things. He's He always takes us through these thematic journeys about what's <laughs> happening, and he gives us, uh, and this is many people's favorite um, segment of the entire week, and you know, we turn this into a long conversation, uh, a- a- as you were, uh, like Charlie Rose or something along those lines, or really yeah. delve uh, really d- deep into things. And Greg, good afternoon. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, lo- I love doing this show. The name of your company? Well, Zanetti Financial, so it's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the phone number to reach you at is? 250-3754. Go to the website, ZanettiFinancial.com. Before we do anything else, I hope you don't mind. I'm not going to try and uh, you know sort of upstage uh, the topic, but just one minute and one minute only. Chamath Palapatia sold over $200 million. Talk about it during our first hour uh, today. Uh, dumped his stock. He's chairman right. of the board. And uh, look, at this point, I made my forecast that it was going to be a bankrupt company. Right. I might be pretty close to this at this point for a company that shed $760 million over the last four years. Right. I mean, you look at the balance sheet, and, and it was scary, and you've, you've already gone through all that. But really, Eddie, the insiders tell you everything you need to know. Are they buying shares of their company? And if they are, generally, they believe in it. Mm-hmm. Or even if they're not selling, they're telling you they believe in it. But when insiders start dumping, especially to the degree and the position that he was in, I think it really tells you all you need to know. It was kind of funny reading the comments section, you know, after the news came out. Oh, no, this is a buying signal. I thought, are you out of your mind? (laughs) If this guy's dumping the way he's dumping. He's a chairman. Yeah, and you think you know more than the chairman does, so you're going to be buying this stock? You might want to rethink it. But, no, you called it, and you called it early. So I think we are looking, and just from a government standpoint, at another sort of uh, train to nowhere, if you're looking at the fail runner, or if you're looking at Virgin Galactic, uh, something that's never going to go into outer space, right. uh, is attempting to go to a corner. Well, are we going to continue to get duped by these uh, big plans, big ideas, uh, fancy pitchmen like uh, Richard Branson, who's not even the chairman any longer of Virgin Galactic? Uh, w- w- very quickly, what... How do we avoid these types of uh, pitfalls that New Mexico seemingly always gets itself ensnared in? We have to stop being enthralled with celebrity. Yep. Just because someone's a celebrity doesn't mean they're smart. Right. And yet somehow here, we if they've been on TV or a movie, we think they have this higher level of intelligence, or we even attribute it sometimes to geography. Yep. So somehow if they're from more than 100 miles away, they're geniuses. Mm-hmm. If they're from around here, well, they can't be very smart. I, I've never understood that. Yeah, we do that a lot here in right. New Mexico. So maybe we just get a little starry-eyed surprise on all of that stuff. Sure. We're like, oh, my gosh. Right. We spent more than a billion dollars on this thing already, and uh, there's still no rocket 14 years later. I know right. uh, Dow likes to have his fun, but I've been at this uh, for a while, as have uh, a few others. All right, let's break into our little breakout session here on a Friday <laughs> afternoon uh, as to what's happening. And, and uh, you have a way of bringing it all together uh, very simply so that people can understand, and we have those parallels of history of things that have happened before. So uh, history, our failure to uh, understand it, it, right. it, it dooms us to repeat it. 
Right. And, and so often we start with the, the basics and then we bring it to the, hilt, the historical you know, connection at the end. Let's do reverse today. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the ship of Theseus. And we are going to tie this ancient Greek founder of Athens and his ship to what's going on in New Mexico today. So hang in there. I think you'll understand the concept. So Theseus was the founder of Athens, uh, a hero. And of course, this epic kind of Greek story you might expect. He was the one who killed the Minotaur in Crete, came back with his, you know, with his men and his crew and off Athens went, and Greece begins this ascent to basically Mediterranean slash world power. Well, the ship of Theseus became something of a symbol of Athenian glory and power, and it sat in the harbor as a museum piece. Well, as the boards would rot, at night the city fathers would have crews come in and kind of clean it up, take the old planks off, put new planks on, if the if the ship's wheels started to look bad or you know weathered, they would replace it at night. So they wanted the ship to always look new and always look you know ready to sail forth again. You know this mighty symbol of Greece and Athens. So the question philosophers had you know after 100 150 years of this is once every single piece had been replaced on the ship, was it still the ship of Theseus, or was it a completely new ship? And philosophers, you know, like Aristotle and Plutarch would, would argue this kind of thing. And I guess I'll pose it to you. Is it the same ship or is it not once all the components have been replaced? Um, is a refurbished car, a Corvette, a 1966 Mustang, the same with its refurbished part? No, clearly it's not. In fact, on the value, Barrett-Jackson will look at it and say, hey, it's its original parts. It's original everything, original this. Uh, not restored. Uh, the restored do not go for as high as they have. So put it in clear, clear uh, car terms. No. Okay. I, I would agree. By the way, we, we did this in the Army. Okay. There was a time when Congress limited the number of helicopters the Army could have. Okay. Well, let's say your Apache helicopter was getting old. Well, you could always get repair parts. That was allowed. So what the maintenance guys would do is they would order new rotors. Then six months later, you'd order a new transmission. Then four months after that, you'd order the new motor. You'd order any, all the new electronics. Anyway, basically, the only thing you had to save on that Apache helicopter or Chinook or whatever was the nameplate. It, where it said, you know, Apache number, Whiskey Charlie, Golf 11872, Zulu Alpha. As long as you kept the plate, the government thought it was the same Apache helicopter. But, of course, everything had been redone. It was basically the ship of Theseus. So what does this have to do with today? Well, I don't know, Eddie. I, I think you could apply this theory to individuals. Okay. You replace planks in your life all the time. You are not the Eddie Aragon you were 20 years ago. Oh. Right? You yeah, don't make me depressed here. We're trying to focus on me. <laughs> well, it's, it's, all right, any of us out there, you look back and you think, okay, what, what did I used to be like? Right. Oh, wait, that was an old rotten board. Mm. Maybe I should throw that away and replace it with a new one. Sure. But, but it can also go the other way. You've probably known people who are really great guys or, or, or wonderful gals, women, and, and they all fall apart. They, they take something that was really good and they replace it with something bad. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's the ship of Theseus. We're constantly 
changing and remaking ourselves. I think we could apply it to the leaders in New Mexico. So I, I'm going to take you back to World War II and okay. the Depression. All right. We all know about the Bataan Death March. Yep. We know about what happened to those guys. Mm -hmm. But the leaders, the officers, the senior enlisted, during all of that, there was only so much food that the Japanese were doling out. The leaders went to the back of the line. They made sure the soldiers yes. got, got yes. fed first. Always, yes. Um, back That's in one the, of my favorite things, by the way. Right. The leaders always going last. Right. You know, um, Jesus last. Sure. How about um, New Mexico women during the Depression? There was only so much food. They fed their children, and they went to bed hungry. Uh, to me, that's leadership. What do we have today? We have a governor mm -hmm. during a time of COVID when we were shutting down all the restaurants where people were wondering where their next meal was going to come from. How mm -hmm. am I going to earn a living? Right. And did she go to the back of the line? Did she sacrifice it all? Uh, no, uh, no. Uh, no, no, no. Not even thinking about going to the back of the line at any point. Right. So, so what happened to leadership in New Mexico over the last several decades? We've gone from these sacrificial leaders who put others' needs first. We replaced those planks with rotten planks. Mm -hmm. That's the reverse of the ship of Theseus. And I think our goal should be here is, you know, what kind of leaders do we want? Are we... Are we okay with this, mm -hmm. or is it time to start replacing the rotten planks? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, is there something worse than rotten planks? <laughs> that's what I want to refer to it as, yeah, absolutely. But, but you get the idea, and you start looking at the state through this lens. What do we have that was good that we have replaced with something rotten, or the reverse? Let's, let's apply it to the United States. Okay. Eddie, we had some rotten planks. Slavery was a rotten plank. Sure. I think everybody agrees with that. I'm glad we replaced it. That was a good thing. Uh, I think the civil rights movement went a long way toward replacing some rotten planks. Doesn't mean we are where we should be, but right. we're a lot further ahead. Uh, how about the women's right to vote? Well, yeah, rotten plank. That was a rotten plank. It, it, it should go away. So what about now? Are we particularly under this new Biden administration, replacing good planks with bad ones or bad ones with good ones. And, and I would say that we are replacing oh, a work ethic with one of entitlement. And you see this, I, I think that's a bad switch. Uh, I think that we had a good plank of freedom of speech where we could all argue over the internet or radio or mm -hmm. TV and so on and so forth. And that is being replaced by censorship. That is taking a good plank and making it a rotten one. I think we're replacing education with indoctrination. I think that's, we used to have the best. Or, or erasing everything. Sure. I mean, when you right. think about it, the rewriting of, of history and the rewriting and the political correctness that, you know, we're getting, we're burning Dr. Seuss books at this point. Right. It's, it's insanity. Right. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not a lack of education. It's the fact that we're, actively indoctrinating ourselves in an attempt to sort of... Uh, there was a, a, a movie, and I'm not going to try and go too far on a tangent, but the movie, the premise, uh, it's a Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, but the guy literally takes a pill so he can erase all the bad memories, so he only has nothing but good memories going forward. You have no point of reference. You can't grow from anything at that point. And the whole idea was that you couldn't create anything new 
<laughs> anyway, that was worth knowing because you've decided to erase all the bad things that you learned from, so you weren't able to make the choices going forward. That's what we're leaving our kids with. Can you imagine our kids not understanding that we didn't have women's suffrage or, or, right. or slavery or anything? I was like, oh, no, this is the way we were always finding. Don't worry about it. We have to be politically correct going forward. That, that's the worst thing, sure. rewriting our history books. But go ahead. Uh, no, that's just like taking a plank and throwing it away. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even replacing it. Yeah, but you, without those rotten planks, we don't know what's good or bad. Right. Uh, do you remember there was a time in America when Eddie, we had by far the best education system in the world, uh, particularly at the university level. Uh, Harvard competed against Yale, competed against Notre mm-hmm. Dame, competed against UNM, competed mm-hmm. against community colleges. I mean, th- there was a place to go to get an education, and they were constantly at each other for improvement. And this is why the world sent their kids to the United States to get an education. Do you believe that's true today? I, I, I don't. Uh, what, what I see is a higher education system that says you have to think this way and act this way and talk this way. Well, that's not an education. <laughs> that's an indoctrination. And that's replacing a very good plank on the ship of Theseus with a lousy plank of indoctrination. It's yeah. uh, awful to watch it. Uh, we're here with Greg Zanetti, Zanetti Financial. Uh, these lessons are so incredible, I think, for everybody to know. In fact, uh, people want us to create a Rock of Talk TV channel. So I think that's what we're going to do going wow. forward so that they can go back and catalog all your talks. And I want to ask you, since <laughs> we're coming here today, sure. uh, to talk about uh, something else. Uh, do you have all of your notes from our previous shows? I do. Wow. There you go. That's the kind of financial guy that you want. The guy who remembers the trades that you 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 wanted to forget, sort of like the bad planks. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I I keep them all. And I mean, Eddie, a lot of times, I mean, the things I do on radio, I post, I, I send them out to everybody. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I should be on record. I should. How do we get people to sign up for that? Is there an oh, address or anything? Yeah, or? they can just go to my. If they go to actually, if they go to Greg Radio Transcripts at. Uh, gmail.com just greg radio transcript send an email you, send me an email i'll put you on my list we gotta we gotta we gotta plug that uh, people really want to see more of that all right okay what's next all right so let's keep going with this with this theme of replacing planks with good or bad let's apply this to our financial markets okay. and so now let's start taking it from the philosophical back down to wait what's going on out there right now right because this seems like our ship is starting to list and take on some water. Um, we have replaced planks in the financial system, for example, on how we evaluate stocks. Uh, Eddie, Wall Street used to employ battalions of analysts to look at the management of a company, their earnings, you know, that their, their profits, their cash flow. Is this a good company? Is it not? What new products are coming out there? And Wall Street was known for having the best analysis in the world. They don't even employ analysts like that anymore. It's all computer programmers. Who can create the best computer program to jump ahead of a trade, to trade faster than the guys at J.P. Morgan? Algorithms, this, that. And they hired some of the best PhDs, uh, these, these computer guys who are brilliant, but they really couldn't care one whit about the stock or the company or what they're doing. It's just all about the trade. And so, yes, it's an amazing thing to behold, but I believe that it is leading to rotten planks in Wall Street's ship of Theseus, and, and you're starting to How see How do you this. clear it out, though, once the genie has already been opened and the 
interaction in terms of the trades have completely. I mean, we're talking about like real time. You, I think you said nanoseconds. Nanoseconds. Yeah. Uh, at this point, you don't. But the regulators have been proven impotent to do anything about this, and the technology is just so far surpassed our ability to regulate this. And, and you know me, I'm not much of a regulation guy. Right, I don't like yeah, regulation. You're conservative, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the flip side is that this is very unnatural. And, and I guess it will collapse of its own weight at some point because that's what complex systems always do. The hard part will be all these really nice, kind people who are trying to do the right thing and put money away in their retirement accounts and pension funds and so on because that's what they've been told to do. I don't think they see the danger. And and yet there are markers out there where you start to think, wait a minute, wait, there, there was a glitch in the matrix. You, you saw it last year about this time. Remember when oil went negative? Yeah, we went negative uh, $38 a barrel. That's a glitch. Wait a minute, that's more than a glitch. How many people did you wipe out right. in that many seconds that took out trades all the way up and down the line? And we don't talk about that. Last night, and this is really wonkish, in the overnight repo market, the 10-year treasury bill, United States, went to negative 4%. Now, it was only you know only for a little bit, but interest rates on a 10-year treasury, I mean, 10-year maturity was a negative interest rate? Wait, 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 what happened there? What happened in computer land mm-hmm. that drove this down where it doesn't make any sense whatsoever? Last Friday, the Federal Reserve's ability to move money around the globe stopped. They broke down. Why Why on last Friday? I don't know. They, they called it a glitch in the computer system. They couldn't move money for about three hours and the world financial system money flows stopped. What happens at that point? Well, we, it all went silent. And, yeah. it, and it was, don't worry, don't worry, we've got this under control. Three hours later, okay. finally you could start moving from your money from this bank to this bank. But all flows stopped away what's happening here and so this is what happens when you take the human element out and it's all just replaced by as you said algorithms and electrons and so on right so we've replaced planks in the ship with this i don't know they're virtual planks is maybe the best way to put it Uh, let's think about our currency the dollar I mean, if you went back to 1942 when you looked at a dollar bill, it looks pretty similar to the dollar yeah, bill today. Sure. But is it the same dollar or is it the ship of Theseus? Well, you know, back in the 1940s and 50s and, you know, through the 60s, the dollar in some way was backed by gold. Mm-hmm. Is the dollar backed by gold today? Not even remotely. <laughs> it, it, is Six it, trillion dollars worth of gold. What does that look like? <laughs> it's a big pile. <laughs> That'd be like, how many Fort Knoxes? <laughs> uh, we almost have to do a Fort Knox index. So sure. you think at this point, yeah, like oh, uh, they just printed six trillion dollars to bail us out. They're looking at another one point nine trillion. How many Fort Knoxes is that? Uh, Eddie, what you just said is you're talking about the six trillion from last March. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. No, 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 no. What happened last week and this week? Let's see. We had the U.S. Treasury announce that they are not going to what's called roll over our t- their T-bills. And I, again, it's really wonkish, but let me just say this. What they're basically doing is they're going to push $1.229 trillion of cash into the system over the next four months. So that was Treasury, $1.229 trillion. 
Then you had the central bank, our Federal Reserve announced last week, they were going to plus up the banks another $1.829 trillion. And then we had the stimulus package, $1.9 trillion for COVID. So the three money arms of our government, the Treasury Department, Congress, and the Federal Reserve Bank combined said we're going to do $5 trillion. And they did this all in the span of a week. <laughs> what can a dollar be worth? Is it the... Is it truly a dollar or, or is it the ship of Theseus? Are we just replacing every single moving component of it and saying, oh, it's the same thing? Except I would argue we're replacing it with rotten planks. Make sense? <sighs> Makes total sense. And I think uh, when we look at this and try to evaluate uh, what we're running headlong into, are we looking at another uh, iceberg uh, potential hit? Here shortly, I know you and I forecasted that yeah. September was going to be that time, but it seems what is happening here actively is we are prolonging the inevitable, Greg. And I, you know, as someone who's trading stock, and you know, you've talked all, an awful lot about commodities, and now you're oh, yeah, referring on. to gold and and you know, real durables. Um, and then we've we've seen the richest person in the world become Elon Musk because of the shift over to the Green New Energy and the Energy sure. Transition Act, and he went from $70 billion to $200 billion in a matter of four months uh, from the time that Joe Biden was elected to, to today. Uh, th- this is kind of an incredible financial time, but I can't imagine that this house of cards doesn't just totally you know, come apart like Virgin Galactic is. Yeah, in fact, it, it's a great point. It, you brought up Elon Musk. Always watch what the rich guys are doing. So you saw the Virgin Yes, Galactic. they're making they're, rockets. You're right. <laughs> I mean, he sold what are the rich guys doing? They're making rockets. They're getting you excited about <laughs> it and, ta- and taking your down payment on it. Uh, oh, sorry. Trying to get off planet Earth. <laughs> that might be a sign. We're out of here. <laughs> they're trying to leave. Okay, well, let's, let, let's, what are they doing with their money? <laughs> so let's see. What, what do we know? But we know about Virgin Galactic. You just talked about it at length. Dumping, big guys dumping their shares, getting out. That should tell you something. Let's see. You have Bill Gates, who is now the largest owner of farmland in America. You've said that now successively for three weeks. So what is it telling you? All right, he's trading his digits, his pieces of printed paper for corn, wheat, and soybeans. Okay, guess who the biggest owner of silver is in the United States? We said that last week, J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan. Wait, they're an investment bank. Right, right, right. <laughs> what, what are they doing with a bunch of silver? They don't need it to make solar panels. You're starting to get the, the idea of where people are going with money, and it isn't into papery assets like annuities and bonds and you know cash. Right. That they're saying, get, get me out, get me into something stable. Now, here's the problem for the little guys. It's... They, the they, the powers that be, have the ability to create as much money as they want with a stroke of a few keys. Mm -hmm. They then devalue the currency. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens, there are two components. First, what happens is you now must work harder and longer just to keep up. You're, You're basically trading your time, which is limited, against money which can be printed to infinity it's a race you cannot possibly win and it's you saw it last week five trillion dollars well wait okay 
how is the regular Joe going to keep up with that kind of money printing as the dollar gets debased well, by working overtime, by taking the extra job? Well, wait, I've already done that. Wait, I've already done that. Uh, ooh, ooh, maybe I can put my kids to work. This is the immorality of it. This is the injustice of it is a small group of people with no work, no effort, no sweat can create money out of thin air for their good. Think who benefited by the five trillion over the last few days. Congress did. Did did they have to put in any overtime? No. No. Did did they have to sweat? Did they have to create a product, create any wealth at all? No, no, no. Did this almost makes me angry when I think about it? Uh, When because you when you phrase it, uh, did they have to work to create all that money? They didn't. Uh, There was nothing that was created, and and that is the problem intrinsically is that there was nothing that was manufactured or created in order to create that amount of money. And generally speaking, in order to create any money, any future value and grow the pie, you have to actually create something that is worth something that would allow you to grow the pie so the money can chase that amount of good or production. Uh, That's just simple economics. And yet, for whatever reason, it just escapes us. And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll just print a $1.9 trillion. And when you have that inflationary stuff that's going on, it's like, if we just keep printing, we're going to be creating such a problem that... They're going to think it's a solution because the inflation is going to go up and they're say, well, that's a good thing because right. your dollar isn't worth as much and it's washing away our debt. But right. on the flip side of that is it's not as worth as much and you're poor despite how much money you do make. And what could be actually worse than all of that is then you don't have the concept of what your money is anymore. Correct. A dollar isn't a dollar isn't a dollar. We used to make fun of this, I think, in the early 80s. Right. But we thought the penny was just going to disappear. You remember right. that? Yeah. Yeah, the penny is like, well, we got to get rid of the penny. Because the penny is, uh, no one's going to count anything as far as pennies uh, before. And that was coming after the great pain index of Carter and the, right. uh, the unemployment and these unbelievable right. mortgage rates. So, you know, it's this is scary. And I don't think anybody really grasps this on a big picture. And it's not being picked, uh, pitched to the people who are going to, you know, going to school, going to work, or going to wherever to make their money and coming home. They're like, well, how much is it actually worth? Well, it's not worth what you think that it was worth. And so you don't know your own worth anymore. And that's a problem. Right. Housing prices have gone through the roof. Right. And they're not worth any $1 more than no. what someone was willing to pay for it based upon the amount of free money that's circulating in the marketplace. Right. That's and, the problem. And, and so what we haven't, we haven't pulled this apart yet, but we will, is that the amount of money in a society or currency isn't what makes a society wealthy. It's the goods and services the society produces that makes you wealthy. So let's do this example. I always do this to you. Eddie, I'm going to put you on a desert island. You're all alone there, and you're stuck for a year. You have a choice. I can give you $1 billion in cash sitting there on pallets there on the beach, or I can give you a house and an entertainment center, a year's supply of food, plenty of rum, and you can survive very comfortably, but with no money at all, but you have all the stuff. What do you choose? No brainer. Right. I mean, right. You, is, well, what's a billion, what are a billion cash dollars going to, you're going to yeah. die in a year because right. you can't spend it on anything. This is our problem is that our powers that be are saying, if we print money, we'll get wealthier. Well, we're not getting wealthier and people out there are struggling to try to keep up because of everything you just said. So one group like you, like we just talked about, they don't have to work sweat or anything. They are beneficiaries of this. Now there's a second group 
that's also the beneficiary of this in an indirect way. And those are the people who are closest to the money printing. So I want you to think contractors. I want you to think the bankers. Think of the people who, Wall Street, who gets the money first? Because inflation doesn't start immediately. There's always a time lag between the printing of the money and it's percolating out into society when finally people begin to realize, wait, how many of these things are there? I better start raising the prices of my product to compensate for the decline in the value of the currency. But there's a time lag. So if you get the money first, shoot, you've got the money when prices are still stable. You get to buy more stuff. And this is what we're seeing as the wealth transfer is occurring from the poor, from the middle class, from the lower middle class, the working class, it's being sucked up. And you've heard me complain about this. This whole COVID thing just exacerbated it. We had a governor who said, I'm more than willing to make Walmart and Lowe's and Home Depot and all the big guys wealthy. But it's going to be at the expense of all of you little guys out there. You stay home. Well, They're already the big beneficiaries of being closest to the font of money. They're already the ones who have all the advantages. And we doubled down on that. I mean, we're back to the leadership thing, the the planks of Theseus, the ship of Theseus. We've replaced what should have been honor and integrity and watching out for the people you're supposed to serve. We replaced it with, no, no, I'm going to replace that loyalty with the ones who are going to fund my next campaign. This is the foundational problem that we have. And by the way, there's one other injustice to this. This $5 trillion that we've just committed to, Eddie, basically we are indebting the younger generations for all this. When you're born, and if you're born tonight at Presbyterian Hospital, you owe 230 grand to the government. Unfair. And so I think there's a moral aspect to this too, where you don't have the right to in-debt people, you know, who, who can't even make a decision whether or not, you know, they should have pizza or a hamburger for dinner tonight. You know what I mean? I look at that uh, national debt clock and it was at 170. When did the jump come in? Did it come with all that additional money that, that came into the market uh, with what we flooded? I mean, is that Oh, the you mean debt? we just went yeah, over 28 you, trillion, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you yeah, just boom, said we went sure. to... That by the way, that twenty eight trillion that the debt clock just went over on, uh, that does not count the one point nine trillion in the stimulus package. That will all be debt. I mean that that's not tax revenues, it's paying for this stuff. Twenty eight point oh one six trillion. Right. Debt per citizen, eighty four thousand. Debt per taxpayer, two hundred and twenty three thousand. Right. So now when you put in though what they don't count in that number are the unfunded liabilities, the promises that we've made on Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, uh, military retirements. We don't count that in the debt number. Eddie, if you were IBM mm-hmm. and you had pension commitments, well, th- those are debts. You have to bring that onto your balance sheet. Well, wait a minute. The government doesn't do this. That 84000 per person is as of right this minute. If you put in the promises, which are debts, they are obligations, the good folks over at Boston University have been running this forever. And they, depending on your assumptions on growth and demographics and so on and so forth, 
150 to 200 trillion is our real debt. Well, okay. I mean, that's what we've obligated the kids to do. Unfair. Anyway, that yes, that's both sides have waved the white flag on this. We're just going to print until we end up with a new currency. Uh, we're here with Greg Zanetti, and I'm looking at uh, what's called the currency and credit derivatives. <laughs> oh, dear. I have never <laughs> seen a number like this in my entire life. How many quadrillion? Um, well, <clears throat> it's not quadrillion, sir. It is $618 trillion. Okay, but then there are two sides to that trade, so you have okay, to double so it. Okay, so I'm looking at this. So <laughs> that's millions. That's billions. It's $618 trillion, $61 billion, $589 million. I mean, since I talked, that was an additional million put on. Explain that to me, would you? Okay, a derivative. A derivative is an investment that derives its value from something else. So, uh, Eddie, your Goldman Sachs... I'm J.P. Morgan. We're both the oil traders at our respective firms. I believe oil prices are going up. You believe oil prices are going down. And you and I basically make a bet, uh, not on really oil itself, but just the price of oil. That's a derivative of the oil market trade, which should work on supply and demand. Okay, let's take it another step. Your listeners out there, here, me mate taking one side of the bet and you taking the other. And Susie says, I think Eddie's right. I'm going to bet on Eddie. And Jimmy says, I think Greg is right. I'm going to bet on Greg. All right, then somebody overhears and say, well, Susie, I think you're right that Eddie's right. I'm betting on Susie. And then Harry hears that Jimmy betted on me. Well, I'm going to bet on Jimmy. And what you end up with are bets on bets on bets on bets. It's all air. It's all a derivative of something. It's like being in Vegas betting on, are you going to roll a 7 or an 11 or a 4? And these derivatives are what almost brought down the financial system in 2008 when Lehman crashed. Lehman was a big bank. It was about $400 billion bank. Good size, but it was never Goldman. It was never J.P. Morgan. It was never Citi. Eddie, why did it take $4.5 trillion of quantitative easing to bail out a $400 billion bank? It was the derivatives. We had trillions in derivatives out there. And had Lehman failed, it would be like Greg failing in his ability to pay on the bet, which means that Jimmy couldn't pay, which means that Harry couldn't pay, which means it means it means that nobody else could pay. It was going to ripple all across the globe. And by the time it was all said and done, over $22 trillion globally had to be printed, not to save Lehman Brothers, to save the system because of these blasted derivatives. And now you just pointed out on the screen, how many, how many trillions is that? $600 trillion. Well, What the world GDP last year was $85 trillion. So we've got, what, not, how many multiples is that trading in bets which is just air, and we think the system is stable. I, I, I shake my head in wonder. Historians will look back and say, what were they thinking? And I, I guess I'd continue with this. What we've created are moral hazards, and mm -hmm. the derivatives are actually a pretty good example of it. Eddie, it used to be, let's talk about the planks of the ship of Theseus. One of the planks in the American economy was always, you work hard, you make a great product, you create wealth, you'll get rich. I believe that plank has been replaced with how can I game the system? 
And whoever can game the system the best is the one who gets rich. And this actually started a, a while back. Do you remember the movie Wall Street? With, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Gordon Gecko. Remember mm-hmm. him? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in real life, that guy did get arrested. He did go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> thank God. <laughs> thank God. Well, he got out of prison, and, and one of his one of the agreements was that he would go to university campuses and say, "This is what I did wrong. This is where I lost my ethical, you know, bearing. This is how I I really hurt a bunch of people." And what he found when he, and this is like the 1990s, is he was going through these universities. The kids would come up afterwards, and they weren't saying, uh, "I'm really glad you reformed." Or they were saying, "How did you do it again?" Can you teach me how to do it? How were you able to make all that money? They wanted to be taught how to game the system. And now what do we have here today? We have people who are becoming billionaires. I mean, some of it's by hard work. There's some, but you look at these hedge fund managers. How are they getting all this wealth? It's I've created the best algorithm. I figured out how to game the system. I figured out how to use derivatives to you know, out outwit the other guy but there's no wealth created there's no better service created the wealth of the nation does not improve as we go through this what we call financialization instead of industrialization where you build industry financialization where we game a financial system that has constant trillions pouring into it from undisciplined governments and from i would say corrupt banks and this is your path to wealth. That's a bad formula. And there will be a consequence to, do, to this. But, you know, as of today, it hasn't happened yet. $618 trillion of currency and credit derivatives uh, that are out there. Let me throw some other numbers at you. Because I, I, I'm, sh- I'm sorry that I, I went to the website usdebtclock.org. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Ugh. Right. Okay, can I go? Yeah, go. All right, I'm going to fire away because I don't know as much as I need to know about right here. Right now, in household assets, we're sitting on $130 trillion of total uh, assets. Uh, Tudis total assets are $158 trillion. Assets per citizen, about $479,000. we are a rich country. Yeah. We've got a lot of money. I mean, if you're talking about half a million, uh, do you know how many millionaires are in the United States? Could you guess? A million at least. A million millionaires. You're way low. You're so low. Ten million I don't even... You're still way low. Twenty million millionaires. Uh, 18, 18,483,000 millionaires. So that's what? About 5% of the population is a millionaire? That is crazy. Uh, okay, so are there more millionaires or more people on food stamps? Millionaires. Food more stamps. people on food stamps. Okay. There's 45... <laughs> Forty-five point eight million people on food stamps. Wow! So it triples. all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Keep go going. on worse, just in case you didn't think that this is the real. So, how do you have an assets per citizen at nearly half a million dollars? Okay, because it's an average. I know. Even if it's average, just think about this, right? Right. How many Medicaid recipients? It's more fifty million. It's more than food stamps. Sixty million. It's more than that. Eighty million. Pretty close. Oh, my word. I think we're sort of at this breaking point because we have more Medicaid recipients than we have number of U.S. retirees. Think about that for a second. 55.3 million retirees. 
Right. And you have 77.7 million Medicaid. If you really want to talk about where we're at with things, we're about 120 million of people who are dependent. Is it any wonder that we're becoming a socialist country? No. There was a headline last Friday that said... Uh, oops. Sorry. Oh, that is the uh, Amber Alert. There yeah, Amber Alert. Yeah. There was... Again. Oh, dear. I can't even shut this off. Anyway, it was... Uh, they said 27% of all U.S. household income comes directly from the government. So... Yeah, we have 27% of the country that's totally dependent on U.S. government checks to survive. Mm -hmm. How do you get those people to say, nope, I think we should go to a more capitalist or free market economy, even at the expense of government? Not likely that that's going to happen. So I don't know how else to phrase this at this point, uh, other than um, we are looking down the barrel of uh, no return if we don't put our financial house in order. Why are politicians not voting to go ahead uh, and push for financial solvency. Oh, gosh. Well, it's political suicide. Is it? Yeah. You're going to tell people, what, 27% of the country gets a paycheck from the government. Sorry, you're going to get less. Yeah, number of government uh, employees, 22.7 million. Right. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So you're going to tell them, no, sorry, pay cuts for all of you. Uh, You probably won't get their votes. Both sides have given up. This thing will go to terminus. It will go to its logical end. And then Eddie will come out of it. I mean, America's, believe it or not, we have been through this before in different ways. We've been through our times of trial. And what people will find is that the trial of inflation will be as damaging as trial by hurricane or tornado or even in some cases war. That it's devastating to have your currency debased in the way that's happening now. And I, I would love to see someone standing up and try to reverse this. But have you really heard anybody with, with some gravitas, with some strength saying, no, we can't do this? I, I don't know. I, I haven't. Um, number of people who are unemployed, what would you say? Well, that's a... You know, they say it's 6.2%. Nobody believes that statistic. Um, I would guess 85 million. Unemployed people, if you're actually including the entire U.S. population to the workforce, you're looking at 180 million unemployed people, people who are not working. U.S. workforce, meaning people are participating uh, 150.1 million. The unemployed, unemployed. Actual unemployed, 18.4 million. Right. So if you're looking at this, there's 130 million people right now in this country who are actually working to keep us all above uh, above water. Right. And only of those, 130 million, 15 million of those are are union workers. Right. But you have 22, you have more uh, government employees than you do union workers. Right. So the what they call the uh, workforce participation rate. Right. Is at this massive. Well, massive low because you have all these retirees, and I, and I get that. We all, and you've got a bunch of kids who are staying in school as long as they can because they can't really get a job in what they call the gig economy out there. And especially with COVID, it's gotten pretty tough. And so, yeah, we have a hundred. What did you say? One hundred thirty million people hauling the wagon for three hundred thirty million. Three hundred thirty million people. There's two hundred million people who are retired right. or what? Like, when can we get everybody to actually work? We don't need to. Right. We're going to have to change 
the plank in the ship of Theseus from one of entitlement to one of, wait a minute, need, my grandparents didn't think like this. I need to get up, go to work, create wealth, create a service that people want. I, it's That's what we have to get back to. I think this is what President Trump was trying to get us back to. We need to make stuff. And that is being reversed dramatically in the first month, you know, six weeks of this administration. It's all about more entitlement. And this is a this is a bad plank. So Okay. okay. Keep going. I guess for that we'll just jump into the weekend there, Riggs. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> but let's let's go back to the good news on this. Things cycle. And I'll tell you what I'm saying with some of these younger people is they're figuring this out pretty fast. Uh, Bitcoin is a good example of the younger generation saying, I don't trust these these did things that you call dollars. I would rather be in Bitcoin. Crypto. Uh, crypto, yeah. And it may be the right vehicle, it may not, but at least they, they understand. There is almost always a backlash against the extremes of the previous generation. And, you know, the previous generation's you know, embracing all of these socialist, communist things. You watch this next generation that comes up after them will say, I don't want any part of that. I, I've seen what's happened here. So America will go through its trial because this has been baked into the pie for a long time. And these things just didn't happen in the last six weeks, the last few administrations. It's been a while. But we'll get through it. It's just what kind of ship do we want to build? And I think we're going to have a bunch of people who say, we're going to take away these rotten planks and we're going to replace them with planks that last, planks that matter. And we will return to free and open communication. We'll return to uh, hard work and an ethic and creating wealth. We, I think we'll return to a more uh, solid foundation, I'll say spiritually, watching out for each other and not just for ourselves. You will see these changes. So, don't be doom and gloom. This is just a cycle change, and we'll get through it. Let's talk about the debt through the years very quickly, just okay. so you can kind of see this. And you've lived through all of this. Yep. Uh, when Gerald Ford, or let's go back to uh, John F. Kennedy. The debt under John F. Kennedy was $304 billion during that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lyndon Johnson, $345 billion. Richard Nixon, he was at $469 billion. Okay. Uh, Gerald Ford, $557 billion. Okay. Jimmy Carter, $844 billion. Okay. Uh, barely went over a trillion with Ronald Reagan at $1.4 trillion. Okay. And then you saw something unbelievable. George Bush, $3.6 trillion. Bill Clinton, $5.7 trillion. Right. Here we go. George Bush the second, $7.1 trillion. Or excuse me, $9.4 trillion. Then you have Barack Obama. He took that to $18.45 trillion. Then you have Donald Trump, $23.1 trillion. Now, at, at what's forecasted for 2025, we're at currently at $28 trillion. Right. Within the first month of Joe Biden's presidency, we are forecasted to go to $49.3 trillion. Okay. By 2030, the end of the decade, we're looking at approaching $90 trillion at $87 trillion. Well, you can't get there. So here's 40% of all the dollars that have ever been printed in the history of the United States were printed last year. 40%. Okay, we are now in what's called you know, exponential, asymptotic, hockey stick, straight up 
on the dead. This pattern has played out over and over and over again throughout history. And now we're not even at a Republican versus Democrat issue anymore. This is a mathematics problem. Yeah. We can't even afford the interest on the debt. That's why we're, that's why we're at zero. So now just the question is when? When do we go to the new currency? When do we clear these debts? We call it jubilee, either via default inflation, devaluation, or revaluation of the currency versus gold. Those are the four methods throughout history. This is how it's done. And we will release the next generations from these trillions of debt because they can't haul the wagon, Eddie. It's, it's not fair, and we shouldn't have done it to them. So they will be released. The people who normally get hurt here are retirees, uh, people on fixed incomes. So you have to adjust, adjust your portfolios, uh, figure out what's happening here, because during a cycle change, Great wealth can be made during a cycle change as long as you see what's going on. I mean, it's, it is what Charles Darwin said. You know, survival isn't of the strongest or the most intelligent. Survival is of the most adaptable. And I'm not a big Charles Darwin fan, but he's right. <laughs> that Those who adapt best survive. Your audience is pretty well informed and educated. They see what's coming. Yep. Okay. Adjust. Maybe you shouldn't be in papery assets as they devalue a paper currency. Right. And that's, that's the message of this. But don't fret. We will replace the planks in the ship of the United States. And with the right leadership, we'll replace it better. He's Greg Zanetti. You want to reach out directly to him at? 250-3754 or just the website, ZanettiFinancial.com. Sorry for taking you a little bit long, Greg. I do want to say one thing. I'm looking at uh, the GDP of New Mexico, <laughs> and uh, we're at $109 billion, uh, GDP per citizen, 52000 but and our debt per citizen is uh, $7,944, not one of the highest. But here's the problem that we have. The unfunded pension liability right. in the state of New Mexico is $65 billion. Right. That's mathematically not tenable. That will be a great wake-up call to a lot of New Mexicans who will feel betrayed that their government promised them, if you do this many years of work, you dedicate it to service to the state, so on and so forth. We you will can't pay it. it. We can't pay it. It'll there be discouraging. All right. Uh, All right. All right, everybody, we'll see you bright and early tomorrow, 10 a.m. right here in the Kiva. Thank you, Greg, for being you. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for making it a great week. We have Alex Jones, (laughs) Hour 3, coming up next. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, that. And then uh, we'll see you also Monday, 4 p.m. as well, back here in the Rock of Talk. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Rock of Talk TV, AM 1490 KRSN as well.